Welcome. Welcome, boys and girls, to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar, the Buddhist special. What's the name of those, like, audio things where you just listen to someone breathe or whatever? Oh, like an ASMR. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. Welcome to the, the Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar ASMR special. <laughs> My name's Jacob. I'm a Christian. My name is Jamal, and I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> um, and today we we do have a Buddhist special for you. Um, this 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 will be getting released right around Christmas time. What do you mean? It's Christmas Eve as we record this. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely it's definitely not a month beforehand. Um, and you know we thought we would uh, start a tradition or start what we hope is a tradition and um and see where we go and um. We'd like to to do a, a themed episode this week on what we call Buddhamus, which is um, a term coined by Ajahn Brahm to describe... Oh, I, I, I thought it was a Jamal special. No, no, no. Oh. I, I, I don't come, come up with anything original. Um, and it's a term used to describe a kind of um, a co-option of Christmas for Buddhist purposes, but also to, you know, to acknowledge and, and celebrate the kind of cultural traditions, but also... Uh, put a Buddhist spin uh, on Christmas for us. So, um, so what we're so gonna... unlike per usual, Jamal today is going to take over the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, a radical change. <laughs> that, that is a uh, that is coal in my stocking right there, Jacob. <laughs> um, what we're going to do today is we're, we're going to we're going to go talk through. Um, the advent of the Buddha, correct? Right? Who was famously born on the twenty fifth of December, just like Jesus? Yes, it, 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 I, I'll, I'll get my first little Jesus reference in right. The twenty fifth of December. You, there are many theories, I think, on where that comes from and exactly why mm. it's it comes from there. But uh, someone in the early church in like the third or fourth century um, came up with the idea that like Easter being you know the most holiest day. Um, you know, in in Christian faith, that um, if that's the the day on which God saves the world through the the resurrection of Jesus, and that's that's uh, you know that's where it's at. Well, if it's such a holy day, that must also have been the day that Jesus was conceived. <laughs> and so, therefore, you push nine months on from Easter, and what do you get? Twenty fifth of December. Yes, apparently, yeah. I, I always thought it was um it was. A kind of a, an easy way for the European Christians to get the pagans on board by going, you can have your Yuletide celebration just like we'll just do it a few days later and we'll take all your traditions and just put a Jesus on them. I, th- I think genuinely it was a bit of that. Like yeah. I will, uh, I will absolutely argue to the death on Easter and a bunch of the Easter traditions, and we can go down that. But Christmas, there's a lot of Yuletide in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but today we are talking about the Buddha. We're oh, sorry, about I'm distracted already. The, 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 that's okay. <laughs> uh, look, I, I can I can forgive your um, your, your Jesus centricism. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Christmas. It is Christmas. It is Christmas. Christmas. It's it's the magic of Christmas. Um, and we're going to just I guess have a bit of a discussion. I'm going to uh, tell Jacob the the life story of the Buddha Siddhartha Gautama, uh, which is the historical figure that we we know as the Buddha. Um, Jacob will you you will interject with 
uh, witty comments, <laughs> witty comments, questions, <laughs> a, 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 any any fun Jesus facts you want to you want to throw in there as well. That was um, literally the one fact that I had prepared for this podcast, and I've thrown it out already. Okay, so. <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta yeah, you gotta up your game, um, and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of have a conversation about that, and you know, um, uh, hopefully, hopefully, everyone out there is having a, a happy Buddhamus and can indeed and, and and can can put this on and um learn something new. That's our present to you, education. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, who is the Buddha? Um. So the Buddha. Is uh, yeah. so I, I'm just going to clarify. So I, I'm I'm using a source uh, from WorldHistory.org uh, for this, sure. uh, but also just generally using the source of knowing the story of the Buddha, having read it a bunch of times in different places. So I will embellish. Um, well, and can we like just on that? So yes. like in in Christianity, we've got the Gospel accounts, yep. right? The four four stories of Jesus' life that that mm-hmm. each tell the story kind of with their own angle mm-hmm. on it. Uh, do we have Buddhist scripture? I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Buddhist scriptures of, of the Buddha's life and not just his teachings. Um, so there are historical and academic texts that verify that. Um, they're not. They don't really like they form, verify that he existed or and and his life. Okay. Um, yep. You know, it, the, India kept fairly decent records at the time. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so they um so yes, there are there are historical things. Um, it's not part of the kind of the Pali canon, like it's not part of the the like core. it's not sacred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the Buddha's life is not a, in itself a sacred thing, outside of the Buddhists who kind of take his life to be sacred because of the teachings. Yep. Um, but that, that that's a lot of kind of there are layers in addition to that. We don't need to go there. into that. Today. Yes. I was just just wondering that like, because we've got obviously like you know historical records and mm. all of that. But but where does this sit within Buddhist yes. belief? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so um, the Buddha was born. Uh, so the Buddha. So we'll start with that. Um, uh, the one other fact I wanted to point out here was um, <laughs> we'll get to the story. We'll folks, the we story, promise. We will. Um, that generally um, we can take most of this story to be fairly historically accurate. Um, the, 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 that that there are lots of scholars, there are lots of academics, and there is endless amount of resources you can. Um, so the broad contours, are the broad kind of, contours are, are, are well accepted. No one really contests that. Um, you know, there are miracles and stuff that people talk about and whatever else. But at, at, they yeah, do that with Jesus too. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, but the the historical facts are, are pretty well set. Um, so Siddhartha Gautama was a Hindu prince, uh, and he was born in uh, what is now present day Lumbini, which is uh, southern Nepal, northern India. Okay. Uh, right. Yep. Well, so it's currently part of um, Nepal's territory. Is that up uh, kind of near Pakistan as well? Uh, no, more no. central. Okay, cool. Yeah, kind of more central. Um, I, I, I've actually been to Lumbini. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's a nice place, um, n- nice town. It, it uh, Other than the, the large sprawling expanse of gardens they've got that are there to specifically honour the birth of the Buddha, it, it, it's... Touristy... Yeah, pilgrimy kind of touristy. Yeah, I pilgrimy, um, and lots of people, uh, lot, lot, lots of Buddhists come in there from, from yeah. various different places. Um, but yeah, um, not. Um, I, I didn't really get a super like profound religious sense or spiritual sense. Not from, not the from place you'd expect to be enlightened. Yeah, well, because yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, oh yeah. sorry. We'll, 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 we'll get to Bodhgaya. Spoiler later. alert! I know, spoiler alert. There. <laughs> so, um, Siddhartha was born in Lumbini, um, and 
And a, a Hindu prince, you said. He was born a Hindu yeah. prince, and it was a time of kind of social and religious transformation. So, you know, Hinduism was the dominant... And, uh, and when are we talking? We're kind of 600 CE? Yes. That, so oh, Sorry, BCE? So, uh, somewhere between 560 and 480-ish. Okay. Yep. BCE, yeah. It's it kind of the time period. Um, and at it's the about time... About 200 years before Alexander the Great goes nuts. Yes. For those who are kind of, yeah... Yes, yes. Um, and, and at the time, um, Hinduism is the dominant religion and, and Brahmanism kind of uh, as a kind of version of that. Um, but it was a time when there were lots and lots of people around that were questioning that. So, you know, there, there, that it was very common at the time for there to be lots of, um, lots of various groups and sects and people that were out there trying to kind of really, you know, uh, find truth themselves, but also shake up the religious order and that kind of thing. Is, is it a religious problem or is it a social problem or a bit, bit of both? Like... Um, probably mostly religious. Okay. So, so you know... So the, I, the, the inherited truth is kind of not working for people. Yeah, so so people have begun to question the authority of the Vedas, which are the Hindu scriptures, mm-hmm. as well as kind of the practices of the priests and the lifestyle the priests were, le- were leading. Um, so, you know, there were people... And that'll that, happen. There were... Yeah, but there were people that were yeah. criticizing it, saying, "Well, it's not meeting the needs of the people," and they're but you know they're all kind of written in Sanskrit, and no one really understood it, and so they had the Latin translation problem going on. So there's a whole lot of stuff that you know um, that were kind of you know people were a bit a bit on edge about the whole thing. Um, so essentially, what happened was that um, the Buddha was born um, to I think it was his so his father was a was a kind of a king like a, a, a kind of a petty lord kind of thing um and um when when the buddha was born um and i think it was to his father's second wife um mm-hmm. uh as you do but, yeah I, I i had her name in my head of mahindra but I, I i don't think that's correct but you know um anyway as you do uh he was born and supposedly he, you know, he was born and immediately walked straight away and that was like one of the miracles they talk about and you know anyway that so it's kind of destined to become enlightenment on that reading well yes and and that part is questioned but the um but when he was born it, it is prophesized that he would become either a great king or a spiritual leader mm-hmm. right so 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 his father kind of receives a prophecy that his son is going to be either a great king or a spiritual leader and his father definitely wants him to be a great king like that, that, that that's, as every dad does that's what he does yeah. so in order to um, to kind of try and push that direction, uh, his father essentially hid his son away in the palace uh, and kind of removed all suffering from his life. You know, so it's um, kind of the Buddhist dream, right? Like, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, no attachments. So. Yeah. So, um, so, so, you know, Siddhartha's mother died within a week of him being born, but he didn't even know that. Like, yep. you know, his father didn't want to experience anything that might get him to question how good being a king was and, the, you know, any of that, right? So he lived among the luxuries of the palace. It was He had everything he, he could want for at all times. It sounds like his dad is a little insecure, right? Like if he feels like he needs to closet his son away so that his son is going to want to be a king, like there's clearly clearly his dad's experiencing some downsides with kinging. Yes. Also, um, if I read the article properly, his mother is called Maya. Maya. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, After the calendar, no. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. Different <laughs> uh, thing. Um, so, yeah, so he, he's, he's raised in the palace. He's lived in the luxury of the palace. Uh, he gets married. Uh, he has a son. 
um, and he, he, he lacked for nothing. Um, so you know, and it was all it was all there for him um, until until one day um, he decides to sneak out of the palace. Uh, he decides he wants to see something else. As you do, uh, yeah. like as a young boy. Yeah. yeah. And, and so he sneaks out of the palace. Um, and when he leaves the palace and goes into the streets, he sees uh, he sees four things. And these four things completely change his life. So he sees an aged man. So mm-hmm. someone who's very, very old. He sees a sick person. Uh, and he sees a dead person. And he sees an aesthetic. So someone who's um, essentially, you know, uh, in, in that day, it was often probably starving themselves, but someone who is, you know, really trying to follow a spiritual path. And, and he sees all of these people in rapid succession. So he, he's out he's out in his carriage or his chariot, and, you know, he, he sees the aged person, and he sees the sick person, he sees the dead person, and he sees the, the monastic or the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 he, he turns to his driver and he goes, like, hold on, like, is this going to happen to me? Am I going to get old? Am I going to get sick? Am I going to die? Right, because he's never experienced yeah. anything that would hint never that he seen would. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they go, yeah, of course, everyone does. And suddenly, Siddhartha understands that like everything he loves, every f- piece of finery, all of the all of the the pleasures of the palace, they they could be lost on him at any point mm. because he is also subject to old age, illness, and death. Um, and he just like. It just blows his mind, and and he then he sees this this aesthetic, and he realizes that this aesthetic person is at peace with this, like this aesthetic this aesthetic that he's seen knows about this, um, but he's isn't, at peace. isn't having existential angst. Yeah, yeah, and and so so he um he kind of like oh what's going on, and so he he talks to the to the aesthetic, and and the aesthetic says that he's pursuing the path of spiritual reflection and detachment. Uh, to recognize that the world and all its trappings are an illusion and is, you know, therefore unconcerned with losses, the ascetic had already given everything away. Um, and so this is just like absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. This is just like, oh, wow, like total, total life change. Um, and, you know, so Siddhartha kind of knew that his dad's not going to be down with like any any exploration of this. He's, he, his dad is going to be like, we're very upset that he left it all. Um, and you know, he also had a wife and son who he's responsible for, right? Um, but so, how old is he at this point? I, I was imagining like a six-year-old sneaking out of the yeah. And no, so he's pr- but he's probably they say he's kind of around thirty. So like similar okay, age right. to Jesus, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar yeah, age to Jesus. Jesus' but. ministry starts at kind of like thirty or thirty-three, which which I think is related to the the time at which he became a man. Yeah. in Jewish culture at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So he's twenty-nine or thirty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got his family and all that kind of thing, and and. And so, so one night after kind of observing everything and kind of like thinking of this, he, he just, he leaves. He, he, he sneaks out and he, mm-hmm. he leaves. He's like, no, nah, I'm giving this all up. I'm, I'm walking away. Um, from the troubles. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, walking away from the troubles, troubles in his life. Um, so, so he, he leaves the palace uh, and, he, and he, he, he throws it all away. Um, and so then, then we enter into the period of the Buddha's life, which is this kind of this wandering phase, and and it's, they call it like the aesthetic life of the Buddha. Okay, so he's living an aesthetic life at this. Yes, and he's stage. seeking yep. out different teachers. Yep. Um, so so it's got here that he first sought, sought out the um, the famous teacher Aranda Kalama, uh, with whom he studied until he mastered all that Kalama knew. 
Um, but the attainment of nothingness he gained did nothing to free him from suffering. So, um, uh, so he, he goes through a bunch of teachers and he, um, it, it's talked about that he really follows the harsh aesthetic disciplines. Um, so he starves himself. He, yep. he it, it's kind of the, the, the aesthetic teachings of the time are very much about, well, you have to deprive yourself. You know, if you really want to understand nothingness, you have to have nothingness. You have to suppress all of your desires. You have to completely, and it's kind of like a Jainist model of teaching. That's like, you know, if you take no action, you will form no bad karma. And so you have to completely just re- renounce everything, including like the basic necessities to live. Yeah, okay. Which, which like sounds like a kind of extreme form of non-attachment mm. in a way. Yeah, it's yeah. super extreme, right? And so just to, if I can kind of interject mm. at this point, it's, it's just interesting that um, like we have no records of Jesus being taught by any particular rabbis or, mm. or anything like that. And, and it's not that, well, I, I would say in all probability he, he he would have been connected with, you know, some schools and things that you can historically reconstruct of like, you know, was he involved with this particular group or that particular group? Because mm. he obviously, like, he knows the Hebrew scriptures and he knows the culture mm. and the, the everything else. But we, we don't have a record of him... Um, being taught by anyone, but Jewish rabbis and, and teachers at the time would do exact like it was expected that their students would do what the Buddha mm. does here. That you'd you'd pop around and learn what you can from this one, and then what you can from that one, and and you'd move around between them. Mm. Um, and one of the interesting things with Jesus when he gets into his ministry is that he doesn't seem to encourage that. Like he mm. he his followers, his disciples are disciples of him. Mm. They're not just learning some truth from him and then going off to learn other truth from somewhere else. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the Buddha the Buddha follows his practice and it, it doesn't work for him. Like yep. he, he, he doesn't find what he's looking for. He doesn't find his, you know, kind he of still hasn't transcendence. still has what he's looking for. No. He, 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 I'll he, see how many more I can yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I don't know the lyrics that song well enough to, to, to jump in with a, with a more extended version of that joke. Um, so, and actually, interestingly, um, there's a if you look did at, he run through the jungle at any point? <laughs> if, if, you, if you look at like Middle Eastern Buddhist statues, they they have what they call the emaciated Buddha, which is like this oh yes I've seen Buddha. that yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's the part of the life that they're representing yeah okay so, so the Buddha as like his starved version of himself. Another spoiler alert: hmm. Are we going to get to the part where he's got the snakes on his head? Oh, the Nagas? Oh, yeah. no, that's a totally different. Oh, that's a totally different okay. thing. We, another episode. Yeah, it's another yep. episode. Um, but um, so yeah, so he, he's completely emaciated. He's starving himself. He doesn't find anything. Um, and depending on which version of the story you hear, essentially he either um, he either like almost drowns because he's so weak and can't do anything, mm-hmm. or he like comes across uh, a a a, a farmhand, uh, a milkmaid, or you know whatever, and um, and essentially accepts some some food and just like kind of goes oh, I can't do this anymore except some food um and and so it breaks the asceticism like breaks the rules yep. of that practice and kind of goes yeah this is not working right um and heads towards a place called Bodhgaya uh now at Bodhgaya um so he's kind of wandering by himself now right so he's like he's learned all this stuff but he hasn't quite got there and so he, and he started eating and he's trying to put into practice what he's learned yeah and yeah. he started eating food again um and he goes to Bodhgaya and 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 you know, like the, the aesthetic practices were kind of teaching him kind of the right thing, so he's got a decent sense, but he's it's not quite got there. So he sits underneath 
the Bodhi tree uh, at Bodhgaya. And he makes a vow and he goes, you know what? Like, I've had enough of this. I will sit here until my bones turn to dust, if that's what it's take, until I am enlightened. And he, he so, makes, so he knew that enlightenment was kind of the, the end goal at that point. He picked that up on his yeah, teaching. So, yeah, so, so he doesn't invent the concept, as it were. No, he doesn't invent Nirvana. He doesn't invent it. Like it, it's, right. it but he knows that there's a... Because kind of in the Hindu zeitgeist around yeah. at the time there's Jainism as you said like yeah yeah okay yeah so so he knows yeah. that transcendence is a thing he knows that you know and essentially he's like I yeah until I learn how to live without suffering until I learn what I want to learn um I am going to I will sit here I will not mm-hmm. move I, I will not budge I'm going to completely commit to do it. if if I die I die to my bones turn to dust if he dies let do him it. die yes yep. exactly right and so he sits under Bodhgaya and he he meditates uh, and you know, he's at this point he's a fairly accomplished meditator, right? So like, there, there is a there is a, st- a version of the story where like when he's ten years old, he randomly sits under a tree and just enters into first jhana because he's got all the okay. karma and stuff and is there and whatever else, right? But he's is also this helped by his dad's like non attachment kind of thing, though that like that he's protected from all suffering and stuff. Like, does that it, maybe uh, it's not? I'm just not discussed, I'm but yeah, just speculating. I, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. I'm not an expert on Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, you would have fooled me. Oh. Yeah, you should look more closely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but, but but yeah, the aesthetic practices are, have been good teachings, right? So yeah, so he's deep in his meditative state. He contemplates everything. He thinks about the nature of suffering. He you know, meditates all through, and then in that state under the Bodhi tree, I think it's after like 12 or 14 hours or something of meditation, he, he achieves enlightenment. So he gets there and, and, and he, and he realizes the four noble truths. He realizes everything. Um, and, and he realizes the truth of impermanence and that everything is just in the constant state of flux. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of awakes from that state under Bodhgaya Oh, under the Bodhi tree at Bodhgaya, and 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 th- that is his. He is now the Buddha, right? So he is enlightened, and and this kind of gets to this interesting kind of when you talk about Siddhartha Gautama or the Buddha. Uh, we've said this before, but Buddha is a Buddha is a title, mm-hmm. right? Buddha is means the awakened one, and it's mm. it's it's a title given to anybody who is enlightened. So you know, you could be a Buddha, right? So like, so would you say that there have been Buddhas after? Satya Gotama. Am I saying his name Siddhartha right? Siddhartha Gotama. Siddhartha Gotama. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Absolutely. And yeah, okay. there were there were Buddhas before him. Yeah. Uh, yep. So 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 what is it about him that makes him the Buddha? Like, why does he deserve the definite article? So it's because of what he does next. Okay. Right. So uh, so historically, a lot of Buddhas have achieved enlightenment and either like not done, you know, gone and lived an enlightened life, or like taught a few people, or whatever else, yeah. hung what, out in the Himalayas or something. Exactly right. But what what Siddhartha Gotama does is after he achieves enlightenment he then commits to teaching it and he mm-hmm. turns it into a religion. So he is the Buddha because he is the one that found that. And rather than just, you know, holding that for himself or whatever else, he decides that he's going to go out and teach that to as many people as he possibly can and spread the knowledge of, of He's an evangelist. He's an evangelist, absolutely. Yeah. He's an evangelist for enlightenment. Um, so, you know, he leaves Bodhgaya. Um, also, Bodhgaya is now one of the other kind of four holy sites of Buddhism. Um, yep. You can go and visit. I've heard that it's uh, much more spiritually inspiring <laughs> than Lumbini was. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I, I haven't been there yet, but I'd, love, I'd really like to go. If anybody would like to sponsor my trip to Bodhgaya, <laughs> you can go to Um <laughs> You're going to get some Nigerian. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and so he goes to a place called Deer Park, which is in a, is in a place of India called Sarnath. Uh, and he he essentially he goes to um, to to so sorry the, the, the one part of this that I missed that you know isn't dealt with a lot in this article is as he is an aesthetic he picks up a few other followers okay yep. so you know so in his aesthetic stage before he becomes enlightened he he has other aesthetics that he's connected with he um, he has um, he has these various followers. Um, uh, uh, Ananda is is one of the main ones, and um, so he's wandering, but he's not like a loner. Yeah, no, he, yeah. He, he's got you know spiritual friends, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Kalyanamitas that he's working with, um, and he, and he's left them to go off and do his thing under the Bodhi tree, um, but he comes back at this point and, you know, he gathers around the kind of the people that were kind of working with him and following mm-hmm. him during his aesthetic practices. And I, I think if I remember correctly, one of them was actually like, it's either like the carriage driver that showed him the the things in the first place or like someone he knew from the temple, like someone, yeah. someone left with him. I, yeah. I think, I think that was Ananda. Um, there, there will be Buddhists out there that can correct me on that. Um, uh, but you so he gathers around these four or five kind of aesthetics that um, have also been going down the path of him, and he preaches the the truths that he's found, um, and they all go, oh yeah, you got it, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah this guy, <laughs> that's it, you know. And so then from there, so he preaches the four noble truths, he f- preaches the eightfold path, and he he teaches what he learnt mm-hmm. and teaches the process to get to what he learnt. Right? Mm-hmm. That's like, hey, meditate a lot and like. Think about all these things and like also don't starve yourself. Um, and you know, <laughs> so so what's the distinction between what he learnt and the process of getting to what he learnt? Because like maybe this is just my like Western mindset or or whatever. But I would have thought that once he's told you what he's learnt, then you have the information. Like sure, but but you need to experience it, right? And this is part of the core teaching, okay. right? It's that like he can tell you the four noble truths, but unless you like you know it, it's the difference between intellectual knowledge and experiential knowledge and so one of the core tenets right is that you have to really have gone through that process of really realizing that yourself you, you know you can learn all the steps but you need the experiential knowledge to actually properly uh you know properly understand that truth um and so you know so part of it is teaching the wisdom and the dharma mm-hmm. and you know like, that's stuff that i've heard that i know you know, yeah i, I know yeah. those truths but i haven't meditated anywhere near enough <laughs> to actually have experienced them properly and really like so so be, a, be able to apply them a, right? so there's a distinction between knowing right view and and almost possessing right view yeah absolutely it yeah, might yeah. not be the right term but <clears throat> yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah um and yeah yeah so it's super important to like actually understand it and experience it and yeah and and look this is where we get to the part of the buddhist life where you know he talks lots of people and some of them are so close that he tells them the truth and they just immediately become enlightened there mm-hmm. on the spot right so there's that level you know this is this is where the miracles start to come in and some of the questionable <laughs> historical facts come in um but yeah so but he it's, t- it's interesting that that comes from external to those people whereas mm. it came from internal to the buddha and, yeah exactly anyway yeah. um but so yeah so he teaches um, and he then goes and spends the next 50 years wandering around teaching. Um, you know, and um, I, I guess if you think about it in the so same way... So somewhere that, between 30 and 40 at this stage where yeah, he gets enlightened? Yeah, yeah, they say it takes about seven years between when he leaves the palace and when he gets enlightened. So okay, somewhere yep. in there. Um, and yeah, and he, um, he, he essentially starts the religion. You know, so um, so if you, you know, if you think about his life, is probably what Jesus would have lived had Jesus not been 
killed prematurely, right? Um, and, you know, he... Um, Although Jesus doesn't get killed prematurely, <laughs> is there a... Yeah. Sure, yes. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so... Um, so so he he wanders around um and and this is kind of where the this is kind of so that's kind of the the uh the the ascension of the buddha like the creation of the buddha and then kind of from there onwards is all of the buddhist texts right yep. so like so all yep. of the teachings so all of and the stuff, scriptures and stuff yeah it comes, comes from, from that, that point, point. Yep. where he has that speech in deer park up until he gives the final speech before he dies mm-hmm. uh he's said to have died at the state of 80 so state at the age of 80 um fairly peacefully um you know, uh, and like very aware that he's about to die and enter Nirvana yep. and just and goes, okay you know, with it. Yeah, and yeah. totally okay with it. And everyone's very upset at the time, obviously. But, you know, he's like, you know, and like attached to him. Yeah, exactly. And there's that whole thing of like, you know, oh, like, oh, you're, yeah. And one of the key moments in the Buddhist history is when you know, the Buddha is about to die. Uh, and, you know, they go to the, the disciples go to him and they go, oh, you know, like, who's going to carry the teaching? Like, who's yeah. going to be the leader of this? And he says, no, the teaching is the leader. Yeah, you know, there there is no individual that's going to be the leader of this. You know, it's that, it's the teaching itself that will be the leader that will guide you forward. So there's an interesting, not Christian, but Sikh mm. parallel to that, um, which is a, there's ten gurus in mm. Sikhism, uh, and then I, I cannot off the top of my head remember the name of the tenth. Um, but he says that the guru after me is going to be the Adi Granth, the mm. um, the scripture mm. is going to be the guru from here on in like that that is the teacher mm. yeah 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 so yeah it, it, it's quite similar to that right um and yeah and he you know throughout his you know kind of in the intervening years when he teaches like lots of stuff happens there's a heap of stuff happens you know he you know in gives enlightenment teachings to thousands and thousands of people and yep. you know uh he becomes you know the you know, you know, lots of kings really take up the teachings and, you know, suddenly convert their kingdoms to Buddhism. And, you know, um, yeah, we can have an episode later on about King Ashoka and the, the role that he plays in Buddhist history. But um, sure. uh, uh, his, um, his son becomes a monastic and follows him. And You'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, Rahula, his son, does that. There's a lot of kind of discussions between him and Rahula. Um, and, yeah, and it's like... Well, I guess maybe this is the other key part of what he does in that time is he establishes the monastic order, right? So there's a really big part of what he does where, you know, part of his teachings and part of his teachings of how you learn that is by becoming a monastic, by giving things up. So he's not completely, you know, he, and, you know, he teaches He's not anointing way. a successor, but he is kind of giving, uh, well, along with the teachings, kind of a, a structure for the teachings to be perpetuated. Yeah, and he's also taking a bunch from the ascetic practices, right? So, yeah. like, so, you know, like his whole thing is like, you know, don't starve yourself, but he's like, but the ascetics had the basic principles, right? Like, you yeah. know, kind of cut yourself off from other stuff and kind of like focus just on this and, you know, generally try and give up your worldly possessions. And like, you know, he just moderates it a bit so can i like i'm not sure how much more story mm. you've got to tell that's mostly it okay brilliant um well because like you've mentioned a couple of times i don't, I don't know if we've said on the podcast mm. but that like you reckon that jesus was a buddha yeah basically um and and correct me if i'm wrong but like it's it's kind of like well he was a buddha and he had the teaching and he tried to pass the teaching on and he was living in a culture that just didn't get the teaching mm. and so they took offense at this and killed him yeah um yeah, cool. And just to clarify, like, I, so, again, you spoke before about, like, you know, there's not a lot written about how Jesus got to become, you know, went from carpenter to Jesus. To, yeah, like, we've got, know, like, to, to one of story of 12-year-old Jesus between yeah. birth and beginning of ministry at yeah. 30-ish. And, and, yeah, 
again, I have zero knowledge about this, about this, but it would not surprise me if Jesus went off and as part of his, you know, learnings and teachings came across some form of spiritual practice that led him to similar levels of understanding and enlightenment as the Buddha, right? I think that's my core conceit here, right? Is that sure. through whether it was through rabbis, whether it was through quasi-Buddhist sects that existed at the time, whether it was through... Uh, I think I heard someone at some point say mushroom cults, like you know, w- why not? W- whatever yeah. it was, you know, uh, you know, or, or le- you know, legitimately the word of God, right? Like, I my kind of core—I wouldn't even call it a belief. My my theory yeah. is that um, is that you know, Jesus saw the world as accurately and truly as the Buddha did, and then proceeded to teach it mm-hmm. and just put it in a framework that the people he was teaching would understand. And, and I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not just trying to attack the theory or mm. anything like that. Like mm. it's fine enough as mm. theories go. Um, I, I guess what I'm find interesting about it though, is that like the, so the Buddha gets enlightened mm. and then spends his 50 years teaching. And that that's what founds Buddhism. Mm. Um, and in the case of, of Christianity, it's, Yes, Jesus' teachings are important, but the foundation of the religion that that follows is is actually his death mm. and resurrection, uh, and the the impact that that has on his followers, who are then the ones that go around, you know, setting up the movement that becomes mm. the church and writing script, what writing what becomes scriptures. Mm how conscious they were at the time or not that they were writing what would become scripture is, is another question. But like, so, so it's the followers that do all of that on the basis of his death rather than him hanging around and teaching mm. for, for a long time. Um, I, I, I'm just observing that. I, I find that, that interesting. And, and like, yeah, well, if, you know, if we just say that for the sake of argument that Jesus did get enlightened and that that's mm. what's going on, like I imagine that that you would have a a very different religion had he hung around teaching for fifty years, and if it was based on his teaching rather than his person and what happened to mm. him, which which it seems to me that Christianity is based a whole lot more around the person of Jesus uh, and who he actually was than mm. Buddhism is based around the person of the Buddha. Yes, and and I think probably the key factor there is that the Buddha stuck around for long enough to tell people not to do it, right? Like, <laughs> like, 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 you know, the Buddha stuck around for long enough not only to establish the teachings, teach the teachings, establish the religious order, establish, you know, thousands of monastics, see his teachings adopted into political structures, but also long enough to, towards the end, go, yeah, guys, don't worship me, mm-hmm. you know, and to actually make the point really clearly that, like, you know, that I, I think I, I wonder whether, I, I don't know what Jesus would have done had Jesus lived for longer, but I wonder whether there was, you know, Jesus was cut so short that it was just about the teachings and just about, like, trying to get the message out there. And the message was so profound and so, you know, awe-inspiring and, you know, completely spoke to truth in such a way that it was deeply impactful for everyone that heard it. Um, but then when Jesus dies so early mm. that, you know, it's almost like that you didn't hear enough of the message to to not associate the message with the messenger. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Are they, are they, again, as a historical conceit, I maintain the belief that Jesus and God are absolutely true as you as you understand them. <laughs> Welcome once again to yes. Mark's relativism. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that's the story of the Buddha. That's the uh, the 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 Buddha uh, the Buddha story. Do you have any Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any like um, initial reactions? And well, I think I think there's kind of a few that I've got out of my system mm. as as we've got along. Um, I'm kind of conscious of the time, not wanting to open a, a heap of can of worms. Like it's it's just it it's nice to to listen to the story. I find it. I, I like there's a bunch of things going on. Like it, it sort of confirms my view in a sense that it seems to me that to become enlightened, like that there's a degree of privilege mm. that oh. goes along with that, um, which which the Buddha has in spades, right? And, and and to be fair, the Buddha really articulates that. Yeah. Okay. So so one of my favorite little um, you know. Uh, Buddhist debates to get into is the kind of the role of women in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, and it's all centered around this statement the Buddha makes at one point, which is that it's, you know, he, it's, he says something along the lines of, you know, um, yeah, to, to simplify it, he says something along the lines of women can't become enlightened. Yep. Right. And I think when, when he says women can't become enlightened, a lot of the kind of the traditional patriarchal structures there interpret that as, well, it's impossible for women to come, become enlightened. <laughs> women are therefore, you know, lower levels of... They've got to be reincarnated, they've got to be reincarnated as a man. As a man. Yep. You know, they've got worse karma. You know, that they, they, actually women women suck and, you know, they, they can't become enlightened. It's only men can become enlightened. It's much better. My firm belief is what the Buddha was referring to there is the fact that men have privilege. And he was essentially <laughs> saying it is really... 2,600 years ahead of his time. Yeah, but, but essentially what the Buddha was saying there was that women um that women are so underprivileged in society they have so many more responsibilities and they're considered property and there are all these like other factors that are going on that it's just you don't have the level of privilege to have that space and time to be able to actually go and become enlightened mm. you know and and you know I, I think part of the reason he created the monastic order was to give people without privilege a way into that process because you know if it was just you know, if you think about the kind of the the Hinduism of the time, and it's like, well, you have oh, to the be Brahmanism. A, the Brahmin. Yeah. You, have to be, you have to be a Brahmin caste to be able to properly actually spend the time focusing on that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, um, you know, it, it's this thing that's like, you know, you just you can't really, you can't get there without that. Uh, whereas the Buddha's creating this monastic order to go, well, you know, actually it's different. Actually, it's like the kind of thing where it's like you have the space for that. Um, also proven by the fact that. There are there are things in the text where women become enlightened at the time of the Buddha. <laughs> like he, he clearly was not saying women are impossible for being enlightened because there are many many women and nuns that became enlightened at the time. Like they they were, it happened. And, and, and the Buddha seems like this kind of enabling force at a particular yeah. moment in a in a kind of unique way. I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. The oh, there was another thought there. But it's disappeared out mm. of my mind. That's all right. Um, reminds me of a thought uh, about this time a Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar. Oh yes, uh, and it was Christmas. I thought it, might. it was Christmas, obviously, when they ah, walked so into the bar. So the bar's all decorated. Bar's all decorated. And, yeah, yeah. And, and and they walk in and they see Santa sitting at the bar, and he's like halfway through a beer. Yeah. And he's just he's just sitting there. 
He's in a frozen position. It's a root beer because Santa's kind of invented by Coca-Cola, right? That's true. Well, maybe it's a Coke. It's a Coke, anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's halfway through a drink. Our and he's, sponsor this week. He's, Santa's sitting there with the glass like lifted up and like not moving, just yeah. completely still and frozen. Um, and they go to the bartender's like, what's going on with Santa? Like, what's going on? Um, and the bartender looks at him and says, oh, he's been like that for hours. Yeah, he's, oh, it's, it's, it's really annoying. He's taking up all this space in the bar. Uh, and they're like, is, is something wrong? Like, do we need to call a doctor or something? What's what's going on here? And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It, it's just Santa pause. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's paused. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, he's not moving. Yeah. Someone needs to press play. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I get you. Yeah, I, I said the best joke for Christmas. Yeah. Look, it is better than the other one you were considering <laughs> earlier. That's true. I, I did run through a few, um, and they were all bad uh, Christmas jokes. They're not. They're not strong people. They're not strong. Yeah. Uh, very good. Um. Well, that thanks. thought has still escaped. Sorry, I had an intelligent question to ask about the Buddha. That's okay. We, you can always Another ask time. a qu- intelligent question about the Buddha. I will happily go through many Buddha if, stories. If you have like. intelligent questions that I've not asked, mm. you can do that at. Christian Buddhist Bar at gmail.com. Get that, in touch. That's true. You absolutely can. Um, thank you for, for spending Buddhamus with us. Um, and um, thank you for Kevin McLeod's Christmas album. Yeah. We, we love Good that. Good on Kevin. you, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Buddhamus, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We'll, uh, we should probably say as well, uh, we'll be taking a break over the next couple of weeks yeah we'll, um, sometime mid to late-ish january you can expect the the next episode of your favorite podcast to to drop and also the next episode of a christian buddhist walk into <laughs> a bar uh will also come out around then but yeah we're, we're going to take a break over the australian summer um it's it's been an absolute pleasure um to run this podcast with you jacob this year um it's been great i've loved it it's been a highlight of my year me too Jamal. Yes. Um, please, please send the podcast to someone as a present, and um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.